congregation, we will consider also today again the Bible story regarding David and Saul. Today we will deal with chapter 18 of 1 Samuel, and I like to read only the first verse. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So far. The aftermath of killing Goliath, three thoughts, Jonathan's love, Saul's fear, and David's wisdom. So the aftermath of killing Goliath, Jonathan's, friend, Jonathan's love, we read a few times, that he loved David as his own soul. Secondly, Saul's fear. Several times we read in this chapter that he feared even more especially fearing that the kingdom will be taken away from him. And in the third place, David's wisdom. He behaved wisely, we see time and again. A wisely behaving David, also a type of Christ. Congregation, young friends, boys, girls, Goliath had been slain by David. Remember that sling? A little stone that sank in his forehead, and that he fell on his face, and that David walked up to him and took the, took the sword out of the sheath and thus cut off his head. Ugly. Horrible. But that was a fact. Saul did not dare to fight with the giant. He was a tall man and strong, but he had no courage and no faith. And Eliab also had a big mouth towards David, but he himself didn't do it either. But David received the faith to slay that man with a sling, just with a little stone. Now we see David returning from the battlefield with the head of Goliath in his hands. And that's repugnant to see that in our Western culture. But keep in mind, it was wartime. Keep in mind, this was an enemy of the Lord. It was their main tank. And decapitating the arch enemy is nothing compared to the millions of babies cut in pieces in the womb. Right? So we see him approaching King Saul. And he met with him probably in his army tent. And Saul looked at David. Did he know this boy? Did he know this lad or not? Who was this person again? He had, he had forgotten, I think. And also his mind was not right. He had also kind of something mentally going on. So he just asked about his name, and he asked whose son he was. 
also knowing that he might become a prince. He might become also his son-in-law. So Saul said to him, Whose son art thou, young man? And David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jesse the Bethlehemite. And then they started talking. I see Saul in the room, in the tent. I see David and at least one other person just keeping his mouth closed, not saying anything, just listening. Jonathan, the oldest son of Saul, the crown prince, he's there too. So David and Saul are talking. Jonathan is listening. And what did they talk about? We can only guess, right? But it has been quite an, a conversation because it says that Jonathan had heard this when he had made an end of speaking to Saul. The soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. So something happened to the mind and heart of Jonathan and he was listening to David. David and Saul talking. So we don't know the details. For sure, David did not tell him about being anointed as king. That must have been too dangerous. He has not talked about that. He might have spoken about that bear that he slew and then the lion he killed. He spoke about his God. He spoke about being a shepherd, maybe, and the psalters he has sung, the psalms he had composed. So when you're listening to David talking with Saul, you kind of notice something of his personality. What type of person is he? Is he proud? Is he humble? Is he wise? Is he cunning? Is he, can he communicate well? What, what that type of person is it? And is it um, is, is the man with tenderness in his heart for the Lord? Does he have a new heart? Does he love the Lord? Well, as I said, the crown prince has been listening. And Jonathan can't help it because he, he begins to love this man. Is David. He begins, he begins to feel his heart. That's the crown prince. That's the future king. It's not me. Maybe in the past he has dreamt about it. Being king instead of Saul someday. Because he was the oldest son, right? Maybe he has been thinking about it and been preparing himself for it. Not anymore. Jonathan feels in his heart. It's not me. This is the future king. He knows that for sure. Because the Lord lets, let, 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 let him know. And his soul is knit together with the soul of David. Now think of shoestrings, children. When you have to tie your shoes. So one lease over the other and making a, a bow and, and tightening it so those two ends are together and it, it's tight. And so the soul of Jonathan and the soul of David 
are knit together. And they're tight. They're close. They, they, they hold on to each other. That's how he feels. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. His soul was woven, woven into David's soul. They were joined together. They understood one another. They loved one another. They were real spiritual friends. And Jonathan loved this man, David, as his own soul. As his own soul. What does that mean? We have a soul, right? Yes. But we don't only have a soul. We are a soul. Remember Psalm 42? My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. My soul thirsteth. There is not something in me. It's me. I am thirsty for God. So the soul is Jonathan himself. And the soul is David himself. So his soul was knit to the other soul. They were, they were knit together as, as persons, as friends. Shortly after, we see that they are also making a covenant. That's, that's how it begins. So David and Saul have been talking. Jonathan has been listening. And then I think Jonathan and David leave together. And they're in the field somewhere. And they keep talking. And they, they, they bond. And they, it, it clicks, really. More than that. And they decide to make a covenant, an agreement, a contract, so a bond with them. So they make it also official. They may have written down something. They may have had witnesses somehow. At least they promise one another, I will never do any harm to you. I will never stand in your way. And David and Jonathan are friends for life. And they promise to always be faithful to another. Now, some people look at this today and say, you know, they have a homosexual relationship. See, the Bible talks about that. It's fine. If you have love for this person, the person of the same of the same gender, what's the problem? It's in the Bible. See Jonathan and David; they were knit together. They love each other's soul. They made a covenant. Well, I agree. There is friendship. I agree. They love one another but I don't read anything about sexuality. Nothing. They're just friends. And that's okay. Being friends, being very good friends together. And to love one another. And to talk to each other. And to do things together. But I don't think it's fair to use this uh, to defend an immoral lifestyle. That's right. So Jonathan, they knew that David would be the future king. 
and he even demonstrated that. He has given his mantle and his special garment and his bow and his sword, and he gave them to David. They must have been very special, special bow, special sword, special garment. You know what that means? David, I won't be king. You will be king. He is my bow. He is my garment. He is my sword. Just keep it, hold it. How is that possible? How can Jonathan, you tell me, how can Jonathan so easily let it go? He doesn't care. He doesn't qualify. He feels a dummy. How does he feel about himself? Does he have a very low self-esteem to Jonathan? Did he say, I can do it. So let someone else do it. He has he no pride? What type of person is the Jonathan? That, it's, that he lets this go so easily. No problem. You're the king. I just step down. As crown prince. Well, I can only think, uh, think of one thing. There is something more important than being a king. He was not covetous. He was seeking the kingdom of God first. And you know what, 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 what counted for Jonathan? Was the Lord's favor. The Lord's love. The Lord's grace. And it was so important to him that you could let all the things go. So he could sing with Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far, far off from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord. That I may declare all our, all our works. So that is important today to, 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 to Jonathan. The Lord's kingdom. The Lord's favor. And congregation, if you don't have that kingdom of God, if you don't have grace, then something else is too important. Because the mark of grace, one of the best marks of grace is that you don't desire anything more than God's kingdom, than the Lord's favor. And this Jonathan, by the way, is a man who knew the Lord, I believe. Not everyone agrees on that. But when I read in 1 Samuel 14, something about Jonathan, I just get that feeling, right, that he is someone who knew the Lord as well. Because there was a time that Jonathan and his army bear were also close to the Philistines at the, at the cliff, and they're going up together. And he said to his army bear that they were going to slay the Philistines on top of the cliff. And his army bear just kind of 
commented that's not wise. We are only, the to only two of us, and they have hundreds there. So Jonathan said to the young man that bears armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And then it turned out that they had to go up and they slew many Philistines in the war. So this to do them. So Jonathan and David were spiritual friends. They made a covenant and they were loving one another. Greater love is no man than this, that the man laid down his life for his friends. He was kind of willing to do that. They were real friends. So Jonathan was listening. His soul was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Have you been listening to someone? And that you listen to someone's words and you thought, this is such a special person. I begin to love this person. I begin to feel knit with this person. Do you have a real spiritual friend? I mean, not from humans, but the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Have you been listening to him like Jonathan was listening to David? And that you heard his voice and that he explained who he was in the Bible? And you found David in the scriptures? And that something happened to you? That with all your soul's needs and all your sins and guilt, he became precious to you? So deep that your soul was knit to the soul of Jesus and that you love them as your own soul or that you love even more. No, that's what we are needing. That's what we need. That the Lord Jesus, in that sense, becomes our David and that we rely on him, that we give our bow to him and our garment to him and everything to him. And say, I don't need it all. I have something else that is important to me. That is the Lord's favor. And that is the communion and the fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we need. That being knit together with the soul of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, believing is not just a mental decision. Believing is not just accepting something with your hands. Believing is someone is, is treasuring someone and holding 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 on to someone and being close to someone and being knit together. And without that love, it is just sounding brass and a tinkling symbol. So may, may I ask you, congregation, may I ask you. Did it ever happen that you're reading the Bible or listen to a sermon 
And it was about that son of David and that your soul was knit with him. If you miss that, seek it. That is the most precious thing there is. The love of Christ is more than the love of women, more than the love of men. That's everything. So they became friends. Maybe also have on earth friends like that. Friends you can go fishing with, or friends you go on vacation with, or friends you can talk to about the family, and friends you go for a hike with, or for a for, for walk with. We have friends, right? Do, do we have those friends? Friends you can really talk to about the most important things of life and death, of the Bible. Is it, some, is it so that you are so that sometimes knit together with your mother, your wife, your husband? Do you have something of that relationship also in, in this life? Do you have real friends? Real friends you can be honest with, and you can talk about your doubts and your fears and your unbelief and your guilt and your unworthiness, and also talk about the other friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's God's faith we are needing, right? And Jonathan was the crown prince, but he did no longer dream about being a king. He had something else. And all things are relative to him. So seek the kingdom of God first, and a lot of things will be added unto you. So, Jonathan's love. Secondly, Saul's fear. And Saul, verse 2, and Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. So Abner brought David, and Saul said to David, you stay here. You don't go back to Ephrathah. You don't go back to Bethlehem. You stay here with me. Go no more home to his father's house. And David went out with the servant Saul sent him, verse 4, and behaved himself wisely, and Saul set him over the men of war, and was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So King Saul liked him, it seems. But there might be also something else behind it. He made him a captain. And in verse 6 we read, And it came to pass as they came, and David was returned from the slaughter, that the women also came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tablets, with joy, with instruments of music. So after the war, after they had been talking to each other, after Saul had said to David, you stay here, they are entering one of those cities. 
and the, and the, the women are welcoming them. And they came from all over the place. That the women out of all the cities of Israel came singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, timbrels, frame drums, made music and joy. And they were singing and echo chanting. So they sang to each other. Right? And the women, for seven, answered one another as they played. And they sing together. And they sang, Saul has slain his thousands. Was that true? Well, they had to be polite, right? And respectful. They didn't want to unnecessarily hurt Saul either. So they sang, Saul has conquered, has slain his thousands. And David is ten thousand. So Saul was listening to that. And he got mad. He was pouting. He couldn't stand that. You know, they sing about thousands for me and ten thousands for David. So what else does he need in the kingdom? Yeah, I see it happening. I suspect something, Saul said. I expect that this is just the beginning. He will be the future king. Because he must remember what Saul has said in the past to him when he was holding on to Samuel's coat and a piece ripped off that the Lord will take that kingdom away from you and give it to someone better than you. So he is he's mad, very rough. And the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more than the kingdom? And saw I David from that day and forward. He eyed him. He constantly kept him in his mind and kept a close eye to him. And he thought, you know, I will do something. I, 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 I see you. I will keep a close eye on you. I am not going to let anyone take my kingdom away from me. He was very possessive. Very jealous. And he said, I am the king, okay? That was his feeling. I'm, I'm the king and nobody's going to take it away from me. It's all he had. It's all he had. He had no grace. He had no salvation. He had no God and no faith in the Lord. It's all he had. And now someone's going to take his identity away. If you take his kingship away, he has absolutely nothing left. So in between, is it something that is important to you that if they take that away that you have nothing left? If they take away your office as a pastor, if they take away your office as an elder, as a deacon, or whatever you are or do, then do you feel a nobody? Do you feel kind of upset? Or is it so that you may follow the Lord? And there is something else that is 
and more importantly, that you are a child of him. You say, well, if the time comes that I have to lay down my office, that's fine. The Lord reigneth. The Lord's kingdom is more important than my kingdom. May the Lord give us that grace. So Saul is mad. And he was covetous, possessive. The kingdom belongs to me. His work as king, his position, his status meant too much to him. What a difference with Jonathan. Jonathan had just given it over in the hands of the Lord. And he knew it is not, it's not, not mine. He was fine with that. He could easily let it go. And Saul couldn't. What a difference. Saul was stuck in earthly perspectives and could not submit. He could not give matters in the hands of God. He was not ready to give the kingdom in David's hands. He fought to keep it. Is that not the flesh? Is that not the human heart? Seek our own kingdom. And King Saul was afraid, we read. And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house. What is that? What does it say in verse 10? The next day, the evil spirit is coming, and he begins, Saul begins to prophesy. He begins to behave erratically. He begins to just, he's in trance. He is not himself. So he begins, he's raving and ranting. Sometimes prophesying means to be ecstatic, in ecstasy. The evil spirit came, and David played with his hand, as other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. You see, first ten, two hands. I see a hand with the harp. I see the hand with the javelin. And Saul took him that day, and, and, and Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David just dodged and moved, and he missed. And apparently he had another javelin, and he threw it also to David. And David missed again, and, and, and Saul missed again, and David fled. And verse 12, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. But for Saul removed him from him and made him a captain over the thousands, and he went out and came in before the people. So Saul got rid of him. He was not supposed to be close to him anymore. And Saul was afraid of David. So he knew that he was, that he was wrong. He knew that the king was taken away from him. He knew it. And although he knew it, 
he yet resisted it. He resisted God purposely. He said something in his heart like, I will be king. God has someone else in mind, but I will fight it. I will be as long as I can be the king of Israel. Very stubborn. And Saul removed him, made him a captain of a thousand. And he hoped that he would be slain in the war, in one of those battles. But David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. But Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. I think four times in this chapter, we read about he was afraid of him. He was afraid of him. Afraid of him, even more afraid. So this Saul had a difficult life, don't you think? It would have been, been so much easier if we would say, he is the kingdom. I don't need to be the king. Just take it away from me. I, I, I see that the time is right. I have to let go. But no, against better knowledge, he was fighting. I am the king. How foolish. He knew it. And Saul said to David, Behold my elder daughter Mirab, who will I give thee to wife? Only be thou valiant, valiant for me, and fight the Lord's battles. Hypocrite. So David is the captain. He needs to fight in the battles of the Lord. Who said that? Saul. He was so double, so religious, and such an enemy of the Lord. And David said, Who am I? But it came to pass at the time when Mirab Saul's daughter should have been given to David, she was given to Israel the Meholatite to wife. So David came back from the battlefield time and again. He survived and he did well and he behaved wisely and the people loved him except Saul. Even Saul's servants loved him, but Saul himself hated him. So then Saul heard that his second daughter, Michael, loved David. He said, oh, I have a good idea. Let him marry her, that she might be a snare to him. Snare to him? Was she a high-maintenance person? Was she someone that would be a snare to her own husband? And Saul, his, her father, wanted her to be the snare? So you want to ruin her life? I will give him her that she may be a snare to him. I think he also meant he wanted more. He wanted a dowry. But David could not pay the bride price. And Saul said, okay, if you cannot pay it, then I would like that the foreskin of 100 Philistines. 
and would like to approve of that. So not one hundred scalps, so that he had proved that he had killed one hundred men, but foreskins, because the Philistines were not circumcised. So that if he would come with one hundred foreskins, he would know Saul would know that he had killed one hundred Philistines and not other people. And David slew. 200 and took the foreskins. You can't imagine. Horrible. But that was also such a different time. We, we, can, we don't understand that. And David was now supposed to be the son in law of Saul. And the servant of Saul told him. And Saul said, Thus shall ye say to David, The king desires not any dowry, but in hundred foreskins of the Philistines. Verse 95. When his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law. And the days were not expired. And he went on. And he slew them. David was wise, behaved wisely, and he received also a wife in this very strange way. Saul was rejected. He knew he was wrong. He did not repent. He did not confess his sins. He did not trust in the Lord. He took things in his own hands. And the main thing is he did not want to give up the kingdom. Saul was an enemy of David. He would love to kill him, but he was in God's hands. So now I know that does not necessarily mean that David would survive. Because Stephen also was also killed. And the Lord Jesus was slain, right? So David could have been slain. But in this circumstance, the Lord had decided differently. The Lord reigneth. Four times it said that he feared, and yet he continued. So people can fear death and fear hell, and yet resist God. Fearing David, knowing it was wrong, and yet continues. Is it us? You know it so well that you need to die someday. You need to live this life. And that you're yet holding on to certain sins and pride and problems. Do we feel that the kingdom will be taken away? Think of John the Baptist. John the Baptist also saw that many of his disciples did not gather with him anymore. They gathered with someone else. They gathered with Jesus. And they told John the Baptist. And John the Baptist did not get mad. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. That's a grace, right? If you can leave things 
in the hands of the Almighty God. A fearful song. That's the first part. Now David. He talked about Saul and Jonathan. Now David. He had a long talk with Saul and Jonathan was listening. Right? He made a covenant with Jonathan. He went wherever Saul sent him. He obeyed. And he behaved wisely. And was accepted in the sight of all the people and also of Saul's servants. Beautiful. They trusted him. He was real. He, they, they believed in his integrity and in his love of the Lord. So in verse 14, we read it again. He behaved wisely in all his ways. What a wisdom. He was wise when he answered Eliab almost nothing, when he criticized him. He dodged the javelin, also a type of wisdom. What made David so wise? Well, the spirit of the Lord was taken away from Saul, and that spirit was given to David. So special ability, wisdom, humility, being wise and cunning and smart also in things of strategies. David was, the Lord was with David. See verse 30. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely and all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much said by. His name was exalted. He was highly esteemed. He was famous. That's what it means. Wisely, more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much said by. He was famous. People loved him. He was not only wise, he also was very, very humble. As we see in verse 18. And David said to Saul, Who am I, and what is my life, and my father's family in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? He was wise and humble. By the way, remember that Saul had been humbled himself as well. Did you also say something like, I'm, am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? He was also very humble before. But the spirit of the Lord was taken away from him. And he also lost his humility and his wisdom. He was not the same Saul anymore. And David now was wise. Also think of 1 Corinthians 1. Because David, he is also an example of Christ. But unto them is are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. 
So David was wise, the Lord Jesus even wiser. David was humble, the Lord Jesus humbled himself even more. David is a type of Christ. And David was also very forgiving. Not? David experienced that javelin that is hit of all, and he does it again, and still he's so respectful, and he's willing to be the captain, and he is deceived that his that Mirab is given to someone else, and he has to come with the foreskins, and it, it's always something you cannot trust him, you cannot trust Saul. And David was, he remained calm. He was forgiving and could leave, leave things in the hands of the Lord. So when the Lord is your portion, then you have less enemies. You have less fear. You can give things over more easily. And you're also more willing to forgive. If you're not willing to forgive, if you have a difficulty forgiving, that's pride. That is because you have, you miss something. If you have grace, you'll hurt. If the Lord is more important to you than for an unconverted one, if you have that love of God, you'll hurt. You, you, you know yourself, you're humble, and you're also able to forgive. And Dave was also trusting, right? The Lord Jesus, he humbled himself also to the cross. What a wisdom. When he, when he spoke, when he spoke to the people with authority, not like the scribes, what a wisdom in the Lord Jesus. David made the covenant with Jonathan. Would this be a good day to make a covenant with the son of David? Choose ye today whom ye will serve. And what did Joshua say? Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's this kind of invitation to make that promise. To say, Lord, I want to serve thee. I want to seek thee. So a covenant may. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Know that Zebulun missed, right? Because David does it. The Lord Jesus did not dodge it. The Lord Jesus took it. He was standing still. When the javelin came, he did not move. He said, let me die. So I will give life to my people. So that whosoever believes in me will not perish. But have everlasting life. This is what the Lord Jesus did. That's more than David, right? He absorbed the wrath of God to save the people from their sins. He did not avoid it. He could have walked away. He could have said, it's not going to happen. I will not die. But he was willing to die. He gave his life. 
and he took his life again in the resurrection. So when you hear that about the Lord Jesus, about how forgiving he was, about his humility and his wisdom, does your heart knit together? Does your soul love him? That's the true believing, right? The true believing is treasuring this Savior and loving this Lord Jesus. David was patient, long-suffering, did not raise his voice, was remained calm, was cunning, and yet was fighting and slew Goliath and so many more in the war and came back time and again. So the Lord still works and he still draws the people to himself so they may also be close to that Savior, close to that Lord Jesus. Congregation, young people, I'm not jealous of Saul, you, that bitter, fearful, proud, high-minded person who has been so promising in the past and now is someone you have a hard time to respect. Or think of that Jonathan. He could let it go. I'm kind of jealous of him as well, right? Jonathan, what the, what the, what the person... What a character. You could take it so easily because the favor of God was more important. And David, as an example of the Lord Jesus, is still alive. He's still at the right hand of God and still speaks through his word, through his spirit. And he has a people. And all that friendship, that friendship between God's people and him, is so precious. So seek it in order to live. Amen.